1: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
2: This is Internet Marketing. Welcome back to the show where we give you the lowdown, the inside information, the word from the experts to help you use the internet as part of your marketing machine. Internet marketing is brought to you by AI Digital at www.ai-digital.com. In episode 38, we cover PHP Dynamic Text Replacement with Daniel and we talk to Jason Woodford, Chief Executive of AI Digital, about corporate social responsibility and how to communicate it via the internet marketing channel. Hello everyone, Andrew White here, and I'm sitting with Daniel Rouse of, not Academy Internet, but the new name AI digital. Dan, what's been happening uh, in AI digital in the last week?
3: Well, we've had our, uh, our brand launch. We had a big party. I um, had about 100 people along, which Andy attended as well, to launch the new brand, the new AI digital stuff. So that was a lot of fun. So thank you for anyone that came along. Um, and we've posted some pictures up on our Facebook group. So if you do a search in Facebook for AI digital, you will find all of the photos of all the kind of drunken debauchery and speeches and so on and so forth. So That was quite fun.
2: I was there, so I, I can uh, vouch that there, there was some quite interesting goings on. He'd did a very interesting talk, uh, Dan, this week. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah, I did a talk for uh, the um, Guardian London Graduate Fair. And what it was, was loads of students coming along uh, that are about to graduate or have just graduated that are trying to look at where they want to take their careers. And we did a talk on basically what it's like to work in digital media. Um, And it was a roundtable kind of panel discussion. It was chaired by Kevin Anderson, who's the blog's editor for The Guardian. And We had Alex Hens from 33, Mike Parsons from Tribal DDB, who are both big agencies, um, and Sarah Linfoot, who is the head of content for The Guardian as well. Some really interesting people there, know the industry really well. Just talking about what it's like to work in a digital agency and kind of what skills you need to be there, which was quite interesting to me because we have a, um, a graduate kind of trainee program. And it was kind of interesting seeing the students' point of view on what it was like to actually work in the agency, but also from a client point of view, we thought it might be quite interesting just to briefly talk about what you actually, well, how the agency works internally and how the staff actually get trained up and what their skills need to be, so on and so forth. Because you find that the stuff we do and the stuff we talk about in the podcast, uh, we're all learning all the time. And one of the one of the key things about digital marketing is that we are all learning so quickly because the market's changing so much. So, for example, something we're going to talk about today um, from a search engine optimization point of view I learned this week. And I thought it was really useful, so we're going to share it in the, the podcast. And we were just really pushing across to a lot of the students that lifelong learning is one of those things that you have to really realise is going to happen in digital media because it will change you so quickly and it's just a reflection of our industry. So yeah, so it was a very interesting talk. There's lots of stuff up on the Guardian website about it, so have a look at some of the Guardian blogs if you want to find out about it. And just on a side note, if there's any kind of students out there that are listening, some graduates, we are recruiting at the moment for a couple of trainees as well. So get in contact if you're interested.
2: Fantastic. Now, Dan, I'm just interested in this this name change. So it's now AI Digital.
3: Uh, Are you still doing pretty much the same things? We are. The reason we've changed is that We essentially before had an e-learning part to the company and the kind of search and digital agency part of the company. The e-learning part of the company has gone off and has continued with the Academy Internet name and they're completely focused on e-learning. And we've merged up with a company called Site Visibility who are a very specialist search company. So we are now basically a full-service digital marketing agency, just as we were before really, but we've just tied the branding together of the two companies and just moving things forward. It just allows us to modernize things a little bit.
2: Now, um, in today's little chat, we have got a couple of um, interesting topics to cover. They're both SEO related. One of them is is, is length of content, isn't it, Dan? And and a very interesting um, one about images and uh, search engine optimization. But that first one, Dan, length of of content, what's that all about?
3: Okay. Had an email here from um, a guy called James, who's basically just asked. He's read lots of stuff about, and we've talked about it before, that for SEO, you should have 200 words plus of text on the page. Now the logic behind that is there's enough content on the page so that Google and the other search engines can get their teeth into the page and really understand what your page is about and there's some content there for them to understand. But Jakob Nelson has argued that you should keep your text very short and sweet. Just to explain, Jakob Nelson is the kind of industry usability guru. He's very much respected for Usability and how you should use web pages and best practice and so on and so forth. Now, I've mentioned before, I think Jakob Nelson is fantastic. Some of his research is absolutely amazing. But if you look at useit.com, which is his website, when you take usability best practice to the nth degree, you don't use a lot of images. All the text is blue underlined, so on and so forth. Now, that's all best practice, but it doesn't make for the most attractive looking page as well. So Jakob Nelson is coming at it from a pure usability point of view, not from a kind of aesthetic point of view at all, really. But at the same time, he would argue, I'm sure, that you know, if you get the usability, right, like people use the web pages, so it makes commercial sense as well. So what Jakob Nelson says is that you should keep it very short and sweet, and there shouldn't be any more content than you need. Okay, So there's, there's a trade-off between the two things. And what, what the question is basically saying is, should we have lots of content for the search engines, or should we just keep it short and sweet? The bottom line answer is the page should always be done for the user, first of all. So Jakob Nelson's idea of keeping it short and sweet is actually really the right approach. Ideally, you do need lots of content then for the search engines. So if you look at Jakob Nelson's website, if you do a search for usability in Google, Jakob Nelson comes up third and fourth. Okay, So that kind of demonstrates that Even if some of your pages are really short and sweet, you will still rank well. Now, the reason for that is that on useit.com, you'll find lots and lots of pages, a few kind of levels deeper down within the site that have got masses of content, and it's original content. Now, because of that, there's original content, and it's uh, in detail, and it's not reproduced anywhere else, Google sees it as really important because lots of people link to it. Okay, so basically, if you've got enough inbound links to your website, you can get away with breaking some of the best practice rules into those of on page optimization. So we've discussed before, you should get your page titles right. You should have a fair bit of content on the page. You need to get your headings right. A lot of this stuff, you know, it's really important. But if you have got original enough content and enough people linking to it, you can actually get away with breaking some of those kind of rules. So think of the user first. And we always use this rule of thumb: if the page reads like it's been optimised, then you've gone too far.
2: Daniel, what does an optimised page read like? Well, this is this is the
3: question. I mean, if if you read, sorry, let me rephrase: what does an over-optimised page read like? I mean, I think the thing is okay. If you if you see a phrase repeated again and again, I've seen so many examples of it where you've got uh, this shopping page is opted is to bring you the best information on shopping because shopping is really important to us. And if you want to buy things online, our online shopping page is really and it's you know this page has been optimized for the word shopping. It's quite clear. So it, it's important not to do that. Always bear in mind the user first. Um, But make sure, if you make sure you've got original content that isn't reproduced anywhere else, people will link to it if it's useful. And there was an interview with Matt Cutts from Google um, that I was reading online the other day. And they were basically talking about link building. And Google is very much against paid links, against um, links that are created for the sake of getting them. And the, the, the kind of, the general issues in the interview were basically saying, What's going to get you the best quality links and the ones that are going to have the best longevity are when you create original content and you put it up on your website and people will link to it because it's useful to them. So it's relevant to your audience. Now, an example they gave that was good and was bad was that lots of people are creating Facebook applications to get links to their websites because people link to the Facebook application and say it's useful. You can download it from here and so on and so forth. If that's relevant to your target audience, that's great. If it's just a Facebook application about something nothing to do with what you do, it's not so good. So the example they gave of best practice was eBay created one, Facebook application, plugs in, and you can monitor all the auctions that you're currently working on when you're using Facebook. Useful to the user, relevant to to eBay at the end of the day. So that was a really good way of, you know, they produced that and lots of people were linking to the page that you could download it from. Lots of other people are creating bits and pieces of content that aren't related to what they do. So they get lots of links, but Google won't value those links as much because they're not relevant to actually what's going on your page. Mm So the the main argument of what Matt Cutts was saying was like, great, create original content that's not reproduced anywhere else, but make sure it's useful. And some of the most useful things when people have done research. So another example, somebody went out and said, what's the best webmail for filtering spam? Mm -hmm. And he went out and he looked at Gmail and Hotmail and all the different Yahoo mail, there's different things. And he did loads of testing and he sent loads of spam and he tested the results and then he published the results. Now... That was just legwork. He put in some legwork, created some research that wasn't anywhere else, put that on his website, talking about you know email. Lots of people linked to it. So if you get good quality content, it means that you can get away with breaking some of the best practice rules in terms of length of content on the page. Hence why Jakob Nelson is number three in Google, although some of his pages are very short. So to make a very long answer very short, basically... Yeah, the most important thing is to do what's right for the user. If you need a short page, keep the page short. Just make sure the quality content is on your website so you get the links.
2: Let's move on now down to that um, topic of, of, of images. And, and I believe that we've had another email. Tell us about that one.
3: Okay, this, was, this came across because we were, we're rebuilding our website at the moment because of the rebrand, the AI digital rebrand. We're kind of moving across having a new prettier kind of website that's a bit more functional and standards compliant and all that kind of thing one of the issues you always face with search optimization is that Google obviously can't understand what's in an image. It just sees a lump of image. Now, when you've got headings and titles on your pages, you really need Google to see those headings and titles. But they won't ever look as pretty in a kind of page, web page font as they would if they were drawn up in a graphic. So you have this issue then that if you've got images with text in the image, Google can't read it. So there's always a trade-off to be done generally between design and search optimization. Now, we have uh, a new guy working with us, Simon Wallace, who is a web developer. And he's very passionate about standards compliance and best practice and usability and those kind of things. And he showed me something that I hadn't come across before. I worked in web development for years. And I'm, I'm sure you know a lot of the web developers out there will be aware of this and some may not. And I thought it was useful just to draw this up. Basically, it's something called PHP Dynamic Text Replacement, which is a bit of a mouthful. But what it allows you to do is essentially, if you have a heading on the page... The heading will show to the search engines as a heading as normal, and the text will be within the source code. But when it is rendered in the browser, i.e. when the user actually sees it, that text can be replaced with an image, so it can look pretty as well. So you can basically look pretty and be good for the search engine. So I just wanted to talk through how it works. If you do a search on PHP, dynamic text replacement, you will come across all the relevant bits of code it's open source free bit of software so what you do is you take um, this JavaScript file so .js file and you put it onto your server of all your web pages. then when your web page loads um, you just call this script and all the, all the examples for doing this are on the page you'll find when, if you google PHP dynamic text replacement and we'll put the link um, on our new website in the next couple of days as well on, on the podcast page okay so you call this JavaScript on the page and then what it does It goes through the page and it looks for any element that you've identified. Now, in this case, you can say it's an H1 tag or an H5 tag or a paragraph tag, anything like that, and you just just nominate one of those. And what it will do, whenever it finds an H1 tag, for example, it will read the text, it will send that text off to a bit of PHP code, which means you need PHP running on your server to run this. And it will on the fly, so in real time, it will take that text and create a graphic of that text in whatever font you say. So it's really nice. So it automatically takes your H1 tags, goes off, creates a graphic, and then sends that graphic to the browser. So what you end up with are very pretty, nice-looking headings on your page. But the code that goes to Google, Google just sees the H1 tag as normal, can read the text. Now, the issue with this is that it, it looks a little bit like, you know, it sounds a bit like redirection. Google's seeing one thing, and the user sees another. Having looked into this a bit and some feedback that we've seen from somebody, one of the engineers working at Google had a discussion about this. Their opinion, and this isn't absolute law, obviously, but their opinion was basically what you get on the page is what's in the code. It's just displaying slightly differently in terms of the actual markup of how it looks. So it's not a problem. It's not trying to fiddle Google in any way, shape or form. So it's a really nice workaround, and it's the first time I've come across this that you can actually make the page look good but still be really search engine friendly. So it's definitely worth having a look at. Um, We've gone through on this new website we created, all the headings are done using this, Um, and you'll see they're images, but they're created on the fly, and it's done so quickly you don't really notice it when the web page is loading up.
2: This sounds absolutely amazing. So you're actually using it in anger on your new website?
3: Absolutely. All the headings throughout the website and telephone numbers and all sorts of things like that are actually done uh, on the website so if you go to the new ai-digital.com website you will see all the headings on there the ones that are generally in orange uh, are actually graphics but if you look at the source code you'll see they're all h1 tags so it looks really nice works the search engines and we'll see how we do in the search engine rankings over the next couple of months
2: so, Daniel Rouse, thank you very, very much indeed. Just a quick word about the new website, Daniel.
3: Yeah, we've just launched up this new website uh, for the new branding that is much more standards compliant and so on and so forth. If you look on the front page, you will see a link to the podcast from the front page of the website. And we are going to start extending out the podcast section and do all the things we've been talking about doing for so long in terms of adding feedback forms and so on from there. So the main contact form on the website, you please use that. Give us some feedback ai-digital.com you'll find it there and look at the podcast section we'll have some notes in there. each time we do one of these recordings we'll put up the links and so forth and so on from there
2: so the url has changed accordingly as well now so it's no longer academyinternet.com it is ai-digital.com
3: That's right. Um, Academy Internet, you will find our e-learning division there. So there is a link through to our main website. So even if you go to academyinternet.com, look on the right-hand side, top of the page, and you will see a link to the ai-digital.com website. Otherwise, just go to ai-digital.com and you will find our new website there. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Dan. Thank you very much, Andy.
2: Well, here we are on a uh, very rainy Wednesday morning, and I am with Jason Woodford, who is the Chief Executive of AI Digital. Jason, it's been a long time. How are you? Good morning. Warm and dry. Now, we're going to be talking about CSR, which stands for Corporate Social Responsibility, and it's link to internet marketing and what one can do uh, through the internet marketing channel to to demonstrate your CSRness. Now I know that you've just you're you're pretty fresh back from the, the Royal Albert Hall, aren't you, Jason? You went to the uh, 2008 uh, Business and the Community Awards.
0: Was that was that pretty good? Oh, it was. It was amazing. It was on Monday night and the annual awards for corporate social responsibility. Companies like Marks and Spencers, Lafarge, Co-op, Family Investments. You know the big EDF Energy, the biggest companies in the UK, all celebrating great good practice around CSR. Interesting thing was, it was all the boards and the chief execs of those business. It's a main board type issue.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
0: It was great to see a few um, advertising and marketing agencies there starting to engage and um, it was an excellent evening. That was the award that we won last year and so we had to hand over our award to uh, to the Beacon Press or Pure Print Group who are, who are also based in uh, Sussex. So congratulations to them.
2: Fantastic. Now let's just start from the beginning. Let's just make sure we understand fully what this means uh- CSR, of course, stands for Corporate Social Responsibility. What is a good definition, Jason, in, in,
0: in your eyes, in your view? Um, corporate Social Responsibility is about how companies um, engage and they manage their business processes to minimise their impact on society or even to maximise their positive impact on society. So in the past, there have been organisations like um, Cadbury's or the Roundtree Foundation you know clark's shoes you know the the family type businesses that had a lot of responsibility towards their workforce through the sort of 1900s and the the 20th century you know companies became much more business focused and and many said they lost touch with you know their responsibilities towards their employees towards the environment towards the community and recently it's become a really big thing to get back into that because the the companies have recognized um big business impacts for not actually engaging with employees or stakeholders or supply chains and um, there've been some big you know corporate problems with for example you know the issues around pollution with the oil companies around sustainable supply chains or suppliers in third world countries for retailers around construction businesses who are building motorways and people don't want the motorways in the back garden. Mm. And all of these are different examples of um, how a, an effective CSR or corporate social responsibility strategy can help to minimize or mitigate or avoid having issues like those in your business. So if you do have issues like those in your business, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Mm. And this is all about risk management. And it's actually about running a good business. Now, I know we've already touched on this, but can we, can we just reiterate w- why it's
2: important that, that companies embrace this and, and then obviously make it visible to their sort of
0: followers that they're embracing this sort of strategy? I mean, I, I, I firmly believe that in a couple of years' time, CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility, it just will disappear from the vocabulary because it's actually all about running a good business. So if you want to run a good business... You're interested in what are your customers interested in. You're interested in what are your employees interested in. You're interested in, in your suppliers and your supply chain. And what we're able to do is manage the risks around your reputation as a business you know, to help you avoid getting into problems which will tarnish your brand, your reputation, your customer base. And so I mean, also, for example, you look at the graduate recruitment marketplace young graduates these days ask a lot of questions about their employer what are they doing in the community you know do they do the products and services have a positive impact on society they actually ask these questions and they'll positively select employers who who do do those things Mm -hmm. and avoid those who don't so if you're in the game for attracting great talent it's really important to have business ethics and a strategy around responsible business that allows graduates and new talents and new employees to engage and feel like they want to be a part of your business. Now
2: Jason I'm very interested in the um, the role of internet marketing and the use of the internet in, in sort of um, letting people see how you're you're implementing CSR. How does that work?
0: Well traditionally when you're into CSR the biggest output and deliverable of the year is your environmental or your sustainability or your CSR report which is like an annual report. It's a thick document, normally printed on recycled paper, mm. um, but it's produced and it's direct mailed out to all of your stakeholders. And in many cases, that's it. That's a one-off communication. It might not even get read. What the opportunity is for digital agencies and for clients is to use digital to engage on a, in an ongoing basis, in an ongoing way, using podcasting, using blogs, using web communications, using emails, using using e-learning, you know, using all of these online techniques to communicate in a sustained way with targeted segments of their different stakeholders. It's a way to have an ongoing relationship and an ongoing conversation with your stakeholders. Mm. It's something that you absolutely cannot do in the offline world in such an effective way.
2: Can you give me some examples of... Um some some companies with great csr strategies jason
0: sure we've got some great examples here in the uk i mean the three that i would i would pull straight off are the recent and current winners of the business in the community you know big company of the year marks and spencers with its plan a program that's really allowed it to differentiate itself in the marketplace and to you know create products that customers actually want bt which was the winner last year with its programs that are targeting youth and helping the youth of the UK to become more educated, to become engaged, to get jobs, be more employable, become the talent within the, the, uh, the economy that we need them to do. You know, great programs at BT. And this year with um, I mean, incredible examples from the co-op financial services, you know, this was a business who, who has actually embedded climate change and CO2 reduction in all of its products and services. You know, some of the facts that, that I learned on Monday included uh, that 2% of their pre-tax profits were invested in communities and their CO2 emissions since 2002 have been reduced by 72%. You that's know, I mean, that's an incredible amount of um, amount of change. And I mean, for example, their the mortgage policies have, as as a as a core product benefit, they include um, carbon offsetting in mortgages and car insurance, and you know, re- they've really taken it to you know the nth degree in terms of embedding it in their products and services. And as a result of that, they won the award this year, the really prestigious award for the you know the, the largest impact, the best impact on society for large businesses. It really
2: does sound to me that CSR is something that has to be woven into your I suppose, psyche and business activities and your communication rather than something that is separate. It's just woven into everything, really, isn't it, I suppose?
0: Absolutely. I mean, it can't be something that stands on the periphery of, of your business. It's, and if you actually, I mean, we, we give some tips out to businesses as to why we won the award um, last year for having the best CSR strategy amongst small businesses in the UK. And the first thing is to ha- have a look at what you're already doing right now. We found that when we looked at what we were doing, we were spending 50% of our net profit on community-type donations. A bit of pro bono work here, you know, giving some time here, doing a free bit of work here. You know, it added up to 50% of our net profit. So what we did was we we did an audit, do an audit then work out actually what do you want to do and choose a small handful of things that you really want to do. So, for example, we chose talent's important, work with the local university. Mm-hmm. Um, environment's important, so we work with the Sussex Wildlife Trust. You know, young people are important, so we work with young enterprise. And we, we've got an interest in alcohol and drug rehabilitation, so we work with Action for Change. And we only do our work with those four charities. And so we're able. To, we haven't got a lot of money to spend, but we're able to focus that very limited budget on a few companies and organisations and charities, so that we can what we do. Actually, we do a lot better, and we can really focus on it. and And it needs to be, you know, embedded in your business strategy. So why are we involved in University of Brighton? It's about, you know, it's about talent and about getting great people into AI. It's very strategic for us. You know, it's about employee engagement and about retention of our employees, make, helping them to. You know, to do more in their day job than just do their work they're actually having a positive impact on on the local community which means a lot and makes a lot of a, of a difference for the team someone needs to own it in the business and it can't just be the chief exec or the md you know getting other people engaged and involved get them to own the strategy to to undertake the activities marketing people naturally do that really well marketing people are great people to own the CSR strategy so it gets embedded in the marketing plan and becomes part of the conversation that you have with customers begins to be you know involved in new product development and new services get developed like our learn and donate product yeah it's really it's very very important that it's not a superficial bit of fizz that happens on the side of the business it's got to be if it's going to be effective and going to be meaningful going to be something that people can trust and relate to and and believe is actually happening in a credible way, it needs to be right in the centre of your business. And if you do it, there's a big prize to be won. It's all about trust, trust amongst employees, trust amongst customers and clients and prospects, you know, and you're engaging on a global debate about really important issues, and you know, if you've got a good plan in place, you're actually doing something positively about climate change and corporate responsibility. A question that I've got is: I know a lot of
2: people that own very, very small businesses, like one-man bands and two and three-man bands. What can they do to be more sort of socially responsible for the for the very small business?
0: Well, a couple of very, very simple things are to are to choose a charity or a campaign or an issue that has some relevance to your business and establish a relationship with them and work with them sit down and create an annual plan treat them like a client and aim to achieve a certain amount of things during the year with that uh, charity make sure that your people you know even if it's if you've only got one or two people there make sure that you communicate externally about what you're trying to do uh, try to focus on how to develop new how to help your chosen charity to you know what are they trying to achieve are they trying to grow trying to generate donation revenue trying to create new products or services trying to achieve their goals create pr create lots of marketing around it that's really interesting actually because that reminded me of um, something that i was working on a while ago
2: and and got to an extent pushed to the back shelf because we got very busy but i was working with a local charity who um, helps homeless people Mm -hmm. and uh, it sounds like a very good good area to go back to and formalize a bit and think well hang on let's set some goals here and and check what they're trying
0: to achieve you should you should go back and revisit that because that's exactly what people realize when they when they look at what are they doing in terms of csr find something that you enjoy find something that you feel some connection with something that you can have an impact on focus on it create an annual plan celebrate your successes become enthusiastic involve more people in it And because you're only doing that one thing or the the two things that you want to choose to do, you can do them really well. If you spread yourself too thin and try to help everyone, you're not really going to help anyone because you're not going to be able to have a real positive impact. So uh, maybe we should work together on that project.
2: Maybe it could become another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on to... um... I know that you're working on some interesting projects. There's one in particular I want to talk about. I know that you can't talk too openly about it because it's it's a little bit under wraps, but um, let's talk about some of the interesting things that you're doing and what's happening in the future.
0: Okay, well, I mean, we've done some research and development over the last year, and we're about to launch a completely new service called Learn and Donate, and um, it's targeted at charities and what we call CSR brands, so large um, companies that have a strong CSR program. And we're actually looking for launch partners right now. And these might be companies with, a strong, companies with a strong association with a charity or a particular social campaign or a social marketing campaign. Or it may even be a charity. And we're already talking to a number of charities about, um, about how we go about piloting some projects like this. And the aim is using our e-learning and our search engine marketing and our web design capabilities. You know, we, we can help those charities to convert intellectual property into e-learning courseware to generate revenues for the charities, to generate donation income for the charities, and to generate membership income and people for those charities. And there's a great win-win there for the CSR brand and for the charities. We've got some great ideas, and we're just looking for some companies that may have already planned this in their marketing plan this year or their CSR plan this year. We've got a great way to actually you know, create a huge amount of value add where instead of just marketing instead of just doing some awareness and interest raising um, marketing with direct mail we're able to take the marketing to a different level by introducing education into the marketing and these are education about campaigns for charities and for brands and um, it would be great if uh, it'd be great if any of the listeners have got are involved in 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 a company or a charity like that and just to contact us and and be happy to talk to them about it and and potentially work with them on those but we're it's, it's something that we're looking for right now we're looking for a couple of launch partners and that'll be happening in the next couple of weeks so if there's anyone out there i know that we've got
2: contact details at the end of the of, of the show but it's just just to repeat the the telephone number is jason
0: it's uh 01273 in the uk so it's 441273733433, 733 433 and ask to speak to me to jason woodford and i'd be delighted to to, to see if there's some mutual opportunities we can explore.
2: Well, Jason, thank you so much for that. And uh, so, of course, that's the CSR, which is Corporate Social Responsibility. It's a very important thing, I think. Jason,
0: I'll leave the last word with you. Sure. Well, very interested to find out whether whether digital marketers, internet marketers out there are engaged at all. If, if you are, um, have a look at our new blog, which we're just starting to develop. So please be easy with us. It's at ai-digitalcsr.com. Um, Have a look at some of the articles, some of the tools, some of the tip sheets that we've got up there. Post some comments, and, and let's start to develop a debate around digital CSR. Jason Woodford, Chief Executive
2: of AI Digital. Thank you very, very much indeed. Thanks a lot, Andy. See you soon. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Now, we would really like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, send them to info at ai-digital.com and feel free to send in MP3 files as well and we'll play them. If you're a subscriber, we'd like to thank you for your valuable time. If you haven't subscribed yet and you'd like this show delivered to your earbuds automatically, you can find Internet Marketing on iTunes. Just search under the Business and Marketing and Management Categories Or you can find us at FeedBurner at feeds.feedburner.com slash academyim. We'd also encourage you to leave comments on iTunes. Well, this is Andy White signing off, wishing you the best until we see you next time on Internet Marketing.